You're listening to The Main Course, where food is serious business. Listen along for insights, strategies, forecasts, and thought leadership from the front lines of food with your host, Barbara Castiglia. Welcome to The Main Course. I'm Barbara Castiglia of Modern Restaurant Management. Today, we're going to be talking about an up-and-coming franchise called Curry Up Now. And we're talking with its CEO and co-founder, Akash Kapoor. So welcome. So first, tell me a little bit about your background and the origins of Curry Up Now. Thank you, Barbara, for having me here. Um, so yeah, I uh, I moved uh, from India uh, to the United States in 1993 and you know, I've never really had a job. I've always been entrepreneurial, uh, launched a few successful companies, fortunately. Um, and, uh, you know, the last uh, the last one my wife and I ran was a mortgage company just before we started the, uh, the, the and got into the food business. Uh, and, we, you know, we did that for 10 years and had no kind of food background, but it kind of always was very, you know, very fond of food and cooking and things like that and come from a pretty very foodie family. Um, and so when the opportunity came, uh, we started a food truck and that was in 2009. Um, and then, you know, one thing leading to another, uh, one truck led to several, uh, we had up to five at one time. Uh, and then we started opening restaurants in 2011. And, uh, that's kind of how the, the whole, uh, the whole thing started. So what would you say is the brand mission? There, there's 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 an internal mission and there's a, there's an external mission. But I mean, the, the, the basic premise of Curry Up Now is to obviously be the biggest and the baddest Indian food brand in the world. That's my personal mission. But also it is for for anybody to come into to one of our restaurants or our food trucks and feel comfortable about ordering Indian food, being comfortable with reading the menu names and not getting lost in a bunch of descriptions like exotic spices and and, and looking at camels and princesses and, and, and monkeys and elephants. So that's why we started Curry Up Now. It's not fusion food. We hate that word. It's not modern. It's not contemporary. It's very authentic food. Just you know, half of our menu is presented in a recognizable, friendly manner. Uh, but you know, it's 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 also to kind of create, create and and foster love and kindness through 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 food. And and food is a is a huge unifying factor, as you know. So your menu has a lot of playful innovations. So can you tell me about some of the items that are on the menu? So we started on a food truck, as I said, and you know, the 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 whole thing is you don't have. There's not a lot of service going on there. There's no table service or counter. I mean, it's you come in, you order, and within a minute, two minutes, three minutes, hopefully, you get your food. And what better way to to serve that than than in a burrito where people can just kind of eat with one hand and and while they're even walking, let's say in the financial district or wherever. Um, so that's kind of uh, our number one. Uh, you know, that's kind of our our. Our number one seller since then is is a, is a burrito, and we have six different ones, and, and keep coming up with some specials. But then, you know, along with that, um, you know, we have sexy fries, which are basically protein, uh, crisp cut sweet potato fries with some cheese and and uh, you know either you know any protein choice. 
um, a deconstructed samosa, which is my favorite menu item, which is literally what it sounds like. We deconstruct a samosa and then we make a street food out of it. It's very traditional, yet we've done, you know, we've, we've given some protein options to it to make it, you know, a, a bigger meal. But it's a very traditional Indian street food called samosa chaat. Um, we have uh, a naughty naan, which we uh, which is a which is a pizza in 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 all kind of senses of it um but obviously with our our uh, you know our sauces and, and things like that um you know we have a dessert called hot balls on ice so you know playful words um but yet easy to 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 understand and order because you don't want to feel overwhelmed when you when you when you go to a kind of a maybe not a regular cuisine you know yeah, the accessibility, I guess, would be a, a great way to talk about it. Yes, yes. So what would you say are some common misconceptions about Indian food? My pet peeve is spicy. Uh, because, you know, and, and where I'm coming from here is, what is spicy? Spices, you know, there's probably, I don't know how many spices exist in the world, but probably, let's just say for the purposes of this conversation, maybe maybe 100. Um, and chili or, or hot chili powder is just one of them. And and for some reason, Indian food's always been like, oh, it's spicy, or it's oily, or it's greasy, or it's creamy, uh, and that's because those are the menu items that that people have been kind of not forced to order, but those have been kind of bastardized, for lack of a better term here. Um, but you know, our the food's not spicy; it's spice forward. There's a bunch of spices in our food. Um, there's, you know, every dish has eight to ten, and and but that's you know, and chili is one of them. But it doesn't have to be the prevalent spice, and it's not, unless unless it calls for it. So I think that's the biggest misconception is that Indian food's spicy. It's very spice-forward. It doesn't have to be spicy. So who is the Curry Up Now customer, and how has that evolved? You know, uh, when we started, we, uh, we were just parked on a street near where we live, um, and then we started going to tech parks and office parks. And fortunately, in the Bay Area, we have many of them. Um, not these days, but, but, you know, historically, we've had many of them. And they'll come back. Um, so, you know, we, we focused on, and, and that, you know, we started when kind of Twitter and Facebook were also taking off. Um, so we were focusing on, uh, and we were a mobile business, right? Uh, or a mobile-only business. And so we were focusing on on that kind of clientele, the, the, the tech and, and the millennials. And we're still focused on that. But now what we've seen is we're getting, as we open um, all over the country slowly uh, but surely, we are seeing that our audience is kind of broadening. And, and obviously we want that. Um, but even in the Bay Area, uh, you know, as from from people who are outside the Bay Area, they look at, oh, it's a, it's a tech-heavy place or it's, but that's not it. We also have, uh, you know, we've got restaurants within, let's say, a 40-mile radius. They're different. The clientele is different. The product mix that people buy in those areas are different. So I think it's become kind of more mainstream, whereas, you know, you know, let, let's say I say it's between 16 and 65 or 70. Um, you know, that those are those are broad terms. But no, it's it's I think we're getting we're getting love from from everyone now. And that's what you need. You can't just say, I go for the Indian audience. That's not what we designed the brand for, right? We, we love our, our Indian guests, but it's beyond that. So that's basically where we, you know, where we focus on. 
So when someone walks in the door, what's the guest experience that you hope to achieve? Very loud music. Um, Hopefully no smell of Indian food. Uh, You know, Indian food doesn't have to smell. Um, And they see a very large, playful menu um, and also see a very large localized mural, uh, which kind of brings them into every, you know, every location has this very cool kind of mural that's very local and, and we like that. Um, but you know, menu board, and, and then you know, it's 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 kind of over the top on the music part. Uh, we have a very eclectic, uh, you know, playlist, and it's a very big part of our brand actually. Um, and then you know, uh, the cashier or the host takes them through kind of first times, you know, if you're your first time guest, and just kind of helps them through the through the ordering process. Um, but more often than not, a lot of our first timers will order a burrito uh, just because they're so familiar with it or they'll get a bowl um, and that's kind of how the the uh, the experience starts who's your competition and what sets you apart from them you know um, fortunately and this is a double-edged sword fortunately unfortunately there are not a lot of Indian brands out there especially kind of I mean there's and I hate this word but like there's a bunch of because I think they do really good work, but there's a bunch of smaller mom and pop uh, brands that I, you know, that I go to. Um, but you know, on a on a national level, there are many. Um, we have uh, we have we had two. We purchased. We bought one of them in the Bay Area. Um, there's there's another one here called. Uh, um, they, they they're a little different to what we do. It's a smaller menu, um, but they have a few locations on a national level. Uh, you know, there's brands coming up, uh, but they're not, you know, I think a lot of people are focused on the Chipotle experience, uh, which is, hey, choose a burrito, I mean, choose a choose a bowl, burrito, salad, whatever that is, choose a protein, choose a sauce. That's not who we are. We are, we are, we, are, we don't do that. Um, so, so I, I don't know if there's direct competition, but our, our, our premise is we want to be playful. We want to take our food very seriously, but we don't want to take the experience seriously. And people should come and have a lot of fun, which is why we also, you know, we got into the bar business and have another, you know, a concept within Curry Up Now called Motor and Pestle. Um, so we just have a lot of fun. at. So you started out with food trucks and then moved to brick and mortar. So what are some of the differences in operating the two? I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's it's... The guest comes in, places an order, gets food, and 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 hopefully enjoys it. Um, that's from a very high level. But when it comes to on a food truck, obviously the menu is going to be smaller. Um, there's going to be, you know, there's no water service, there's no napkins, there's no, none of that. It's all to go. Um, apart from that, and I think that's really helped us, by the way, just to go off a little uh, off topic here because our our soul, our DNA is food truck, right? So we were very used to this to-go business, which is what helped us during COVID um, and, and the reason that we're still here. But, you know, we don't really, there's there's fundamental differences between between restaurants and, and food trucks. But the way we've designed our restaurants is a very similar experience, at least. You know, it's an open kitchen. People can see our, our back of house cooks. We want to, you know, we want them to be able to kind of look at how the food's being made and, and things like that. So, but I mean, service levels are very different and the menu is is a lot smaller on a food truck. 
So where do you see the brand expanding? And are there certain markets that you feel will work better than others? You know, I think the way we uh, the way we look at it is the, the coasts are obviously very, uh, both of our coasts are very friendly and very accepting of any ethnic food. But then also kind of there are, you know, like we're opening in Texas and I'm, I can be, I think Texas is going to be our second largest um, state and maybe even takes up, to, you know, becomes bigger than California. I don't know that, but I, I think California will be our number one. Texas, uh, I'm very excited about. We'll be opening a couple of locations here very soon. Um, but also, you know, um, we, we have locations, and surprisingly, in, in Utah um, that do okay. And then we have Atlanta, which, again, you know, it's it's a very ethnically kind of forward state and accepting of cuisines. But, you know, I, I'm very confident that we'll do well in the Midwest. And then I think four or five years later, there'll be the, or maybe even sooner, because the you know the American pantry has really globalized over the last four or five years, um, your pantry, my pantry, everybody's pantries have you know been globalized in in terms of where we're cooking with all these ingredients that we weren't used to. Um, so I think you know the this I don't want to call them second tier, but you know maybe the the uh, some states that people don't really kind of traditionally are not very. Uh, the word I'm looking for, kind of accepting of this kind of cuisine, I think we're still three or four years from from opening there. Having said that, though, we, I also feel that when you when you open locations where there isn't that much competition, when there's pent up demand for this kind of food, it tends to also do well. So you know we're experimenting with some of those locations as well. So I think if we talk in a couple of years, I'll have a better answer for that. So what do you look for in a site and a location? You know, first of all. We want to, we, we are, you know, we were very successful in the Bay Area. So I try to, I try to find, I actually came back from a road trip this, this week. I try to find as, you know, a, a location that's as close to what has given us success in the Bay Area and continues to do so. Now, having said that, the Bay Area is Bay, the Bay Area. I mean, I'm not going to be able to find that everywhere. But like I was in Austin uh, earlier this week and I was in Dallas and you know, you're able to find pockets where it's very, very close to where we are, uh, income-wise or demographic-wise, and that makes you feel comfortable. And then you have to obviously realize that every local market is different, um, and some are bigger and some are smaller, and some will have small, you know, lesser income, some will have higher income. So that's very important. And then we look at co-tenancy, you know, how, how the other tenants are doing and how, you know, cool brands and things like that, what, what audience are are they bringing in? So those kind of things. And obviously size is a consideration as well. So how do you maintain quality control as you expand? And that's uh, obviously a very, <laughs> very uh, loaded and tough question. But I'll tell you, uh, very early on, uh, when we, when an Indian food's very, you know, it's, a lot of it is very saucy and it takes time to, to make and you're sauteing onions and ginger and garlic and there's many spices and they all don't go in at the same time. So it's a very complicated kind of cuisine, especially to make on the run, um, as in a food truck. Um, so we, you know, we, we started with a commercial kitchen very, very early on. Initially, it was my house. It was my backyard. <laughs> but uh, very early on, we just went and we rented a, a commercial kitchen. And since then, we've actually been uh, 
we've actually been sending food to all of our locations and then it's finished at the location with protein and tempering and obviously bringing it back to temperature so our franchisees for example use the same product that we use at corporate um, it's manufactured in a facility uh, you know that, that we oversee um, and, and we also you know even the handmade products are sent to them so so that obviously helps with quality and then the finishing part we have a team of trainers uh, who go around the country and, and you know make sure that you know we, we we are training them and staying on top of it. So how is technology integrated into the brand? So being in the Bay Area, obviously technology, you're always kind of on the forefront of it. Um, we were actually one of the first, if not the first, food truck in the country that had an app, and I'm talking 2010. So we launched in September of nine 2009. I think we had an app where you could order. In 2009, like in November, I think we launched it. So very early on, right? And then since then, we've obviously, you know, gotten better and better and better. But, um, you know, the the like the online ordering system that we use is the same one that that some of the big guys use, like Wingstop uses it, Jamba Juice uses it, and, and uh, Applebee. I mean, there's just so many of these big big brands that use the same technology that we use, which is, you know, we had to do this and, and invest. Uh, in in a, in a technology platform, which has really helped us through COVID, uh, because you know when 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 you're dealing with franchisees or when you're dealing with with a, hopefully a, a nationwide brand very soon, um, you've got to have you've got to you know the foundation's got to be very strong. So that you know the loyalty app or the online ordering app or our white label delivery program, so things like that are are very important to us. We've got an inventory system that's very cool. Um, an invoicing platform that's, you know, and a bill pay platform that's really, really cool, a hiring platform. So, you know, all of these things kind of add up to your tech stack and, and it becomes complicated. All of a sudden you start realizing, are you a technology company? <laughs> so, and, and, you know, at the end of the day, we're a guest service company, right? But you've got to use this technology to make it, to make it a better experience for everybody. So just tell me a little bit more about the brand's pandemic experience and anything that you put in place to make guests feel more comfortable? You know, when, when, so California was like the first state that kind of went into a lockdown, I believe, um, like the Bay Area, actually, which was like a week before kind of the rest of the country. So we didn't have too much of a, too much of a head start. And we had just, I actually was on the road, um, I believe from Feb 10th to Feb 28th of last year, and we opened three locations. Um, Sacramento, Salt Lake City, and uh, also in Hoboken. So we had just come back from this, you know, from, from this road trip, and then this thing hit, and it was, I mean, we were on our knees. I mean, the whole restaurant business, they, you know, we were all on our knees within a couple of weeks um, looking for help and looking for guidance, and, and every day was a new thing, right? Every day was a new kind of guideline of what to do, what not to do. Nobody knew anything. I mean, it was just it was crazy times. Um and it, you know you you you're you're depressed and low for the first couple of weeks. The shock and awe has to wear out, and then you know you, you I I am entrusted with leading the brand and leading people, and and so you you know you start you have to wear that hat very quickly, and you know obviously franchisee support. Um, so it was it was very very tough. Fortunately, uh, some of our stores have done better uh, during the pandemic than prior to. Um, and some of them have not. So, uh, and and we've decided to only close one store 
or that we're not going to open. And, and I don't know if that was pandemic related more than something else. So I think we've, you know, with, with, with being a little proactive and using the standards that the Bay Area or the, you know, we, we had very, very strict requirements from day one. And we were trying to kind of get all of our, all, all of our um, restaurants all over the country to buy into those standards, I think has helped. Our technology package has really, really helped because we've always been very delivery focused. Um, and the ease of ordering is 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 quite, you know, it's, it's very easy and, and, and used by, as I mentioned earlier, all these big brands. So I think those the combination of those things have helped, helped us. And, and now we're seeing some level of normalcy return, especially to the one the restaurants that don't have bars. Um, and as California opens up uh, over the next few months, I think we'll, we'll get back to where we were probably in, you know, late 2019 or something like that. So can't wait. So speaking of delivery, you have a recent collaboration with local kitchens. So can you tell me a little bit about how that works? Yeah, you know, um, I I met with this group. They're all ex-DoorDash people, some of them very familiar with our brand. And uh, um, we've been, uh, we've been, uh, Actually, the background of it is I want. I actually had a business plan that I wrote back in 2019 to start a company very similar to Local Kitchen, uh, where we could uh, where we could license brands and and you know open fulfillment centers. And then COVID hit. Uh, it was eerily very similar to what they're doing, uh, and some other brands are some other companies are doing as well. Um, and then COVID hit, and obviously my responsibility was to curry up now, and, and you know you throw that out the window and just go back to work. Um, and so when this opportunity presented itself, I'm like, hey, let's uh, you know let's uh, let's get involved. And and being that our food is relatively easy um, to to kind of uh, put out, um, I felt confident in in you know uh, opening what is going to be our third location with them next week. Um, and we're doing this work with some other uh, some other companies as well, just to kind of uh, you know test the waters and see see how we can even grow faster. So another partnership you have is with Goldbelly. So can you tell me a little bit about how that works to kind of help build the brand? Yeah, you know we've been uh, we've been trying to get into Goldbelly for a couple of years, uh, but then when COVID hit, um, I connected with them again just to look at more revenue centers, and fortunately we were able to get on very quickly. Um, and I think it's, it's a way of kind of spreading brand awareness. I mean, we ship to all 50 states, which is crazy. You know, the funny thing is we, we even ship to the Bay area. Like we have a location in Oakland or San Francisco and then, you know, people send gifts, uh, to their kids or, or, or birthday, whatever. Um, and so we're shipping, it's, it's really cool to see where all of our food goes. And, and I think, you know, over time, obviously that bring, that builds brand awareness and, and uh, people are traveling and they talk and, um, and that's, it's not a food that's been able to be shipped uh, in the past, right? Um, and, and shipped well. So we've been able to obviously do that. And, and I, I personally love that business. Um, and, and fortunately we have a commissary that's able to, to fulfill uh, because it's hard to do that in restaurants with the kind of orders that we get there. Um, so it's been a very easy and, and exciting venture with them. So you're working with Smart to explore franchise uh, opportunities. Um, so what makes the brand franchisable? You know, I think our our numbers in the Bay Area are, have been very strong. We are 
the largest Indian fast casual chain in the country, um, the the back end support and and the readiness, and, and and you know I didn't know this when when you meet people, um, you meet people like France Mark, but you also be, meet prospects and, and that that tell you that hey you seem a lot more ready than some of these other brands uh, at a startup level you know so relatively speaking we're obviously not as ready as a uh, uh, as a Wingstop or, or as a as a Subway or you know some more mature brands. But we're, we're getting there and we're getting there quicker than probably they got there. And that's my goal is to make it easy. At the end of the day, your franchisees have to make money. They're entrusting you with a very large investment. So, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of responsibility on my shoulders to make sure they do well. Um, but I think it's franchisable also because of the way that the food is structured. We don't, you know, we don't need chefs. We don't need, you know, trained cooks. Um, our cashiers are taught how to, you know, how to how to make food, um, and and vice versa. Our, our our cooks are, you know, taught to cashier and expo and and run food and things like that. So it's a it's a good labor model. Um, it's it's a good food model, uh, and I think the combination of that with technology and support uh, makes it, in my opinion, very franchisable. So tell me what you look for in a franchisee partner and some of that support that you do offer. You know, what we look for is, and, and people don't like me when, we, you know, we say a lot of no's. Uh, we say a lot of no's because, you know, one, you have to be very comfortable. This is a long relationship. It's a, <laughs> it's, it's a marriage. I mean, it's a, it's, there's no other way to describe this. And it's hard to get into and it's hard to get out of, uh, out of just like marriage. So, you know, I want, I, you know, I look at, look at experience, look at, you know, how financially independent or how financially supportive they could be towards the brand, meaning, you know, do they have ready money? Um, and also, what is their support structure? What is their management plan? Are they getting their, you know, uncles and aunts and nephews and brothers and sisters to run these restaurants? Or are they running it with professional, uh, you know, professional people? So that's very important. Also, you know, do, what do they what is their kind of thought process on not just Indian food? Obviously, they love that. That's why they're working with us uh, or want to work with us. But also, you know, what do they think of the food business? What do, what do they look at? Um, is, you know, guest service, like, you know, do they even small little things like are do we call customers customers or do they call, you know, or do we call them guests? Because in, in our business, they're all guests. Um, how do they look at profitability and accounting and just there's a bunch of like I have this mental checklist and we obviously have a physical checklist um, and we we sit down with with every franchisee we have a meal with them we spend a couple of days with them we we when we could we had drinks with them just you know it's it's a it's, I like to meet people socially I like to get them get to know them I like to get to know their families their background um, and you know what they want to do in life um, and that's how we kind of choose what we what we look for and what kind of support do you offer the franchisees? You know, um, starting with real estate obviously is very important. Uh, we have to, real estate is everything. Um, so, you know, I like to go out and, and visit every location myself. Um, and it was hard last year, but, you know, um, but now it's 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 easier. And, and look at that, um, choose, you know, get, get to know their broker. We like to bring their broker, real estate brokers into the Bay Area to make sure that they understand the brand. Um, starting from that, site selection, um, obviously uh, the, the hiring 
um, recruiting, uh, marketing, uh, and then you know we have a construction person that that helps their their architect, their engineer, and the interior designer, um, and then we you know support them with the kitchen plan, um, the kitchen equipment purchasing, you know small little things all the way to technology, and then you know when it comes time to open, uh, again we opened two restaurants during COVID and three just before COVID last year. So things were a little different now, uh, but, it, but, you know, I'm there opening the restaurant, uh, working the restaurant, uh, the first few days, you know, you have to see if everything is in line, everything is, in, is tuned. Well, we have a, we have a pretty decent support staff in the franchising department as well that goes out there and, and stays there and, and continues to keep going. Uh, and that's, you know, obviously very important, but the most important thing is you've got to hire well, and and we're we're helping them with that process. So, what are some of the key challenges that you're facing right now? One of the challenges I face is Karib now is a brand in the Bay Area. It may be a brand in California, but how many people really know us in, let's say, Dallas or Austin? Or Austin's not a good example because a lot of people from the Bay Area have moved. Uh, but let's say Hoboken or or even IU Bloomington, where we're going to be opening in a few months. So the challenge is how do we make that brand, you know, feel local, um, but also, you know, spread spread the words and marketing. So that's where I spend a lot of my time is is when we open, we open strong uh, because it's hard to it's hard to play catch up. So what's your outlook for 2021 for the and beyond for the brand and um, and for the restaurant business in general? You know, I think the restaurant business is is. You know, we're not going anywhere. Obviously, people need to eat three meals every day, and we all wake up hungry, no matter where which background we come from, every single day. So, you know, and and there's so much pent up demand. I was in Dallas uh, um, earlier this week, and and I met some of the restaurant tours, and they have never been busier. Um, uh, we, I know restaurant tours in Georgia who have never been busier. So, I mean, there's there's obviously a lot of demand. So, I, I'm very positive and bullish about the business. There are going to be certain things that have changed and, and those will become habits. Um, and I also feel that things like virtual kitchens and ghost kitchens are going to be here to stay. Um, but at the end of the day, it's 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 the restaurant business will, will, will be fine. Uh, now, as far as our little world, the Curry Now world, we're, you know, on a on a more detailed level, we're opening, you know, we're opening in Texas this year. We'll probably have three or four locations open in Texas. Um, Indiana will be opening. Uh, there'll be some more locations opening in the Bay Area that we are opening. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, you know, we're probably going to add um, eight or ten locations between now and the end of the year, and and uh, hopefully double that next year. Um, and you know, we're still we're still seeing a lot of strong franchise interest. In fact, I think we've seen more franchise interest in the last six or seven months than. We did in the previous two years combined as our you know as we grow and as restaurants start to open people want to open around those restaurants as well so the word spreading um so i'm you know i'm very confident about obviously the restaurant business as a whole uh, but also our business thank you so much